Welcome to the Proverbs 910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Chris Paxson and Rose Spiller. Today we're going to talk about a subject that rears its ugly head sometimes in almost every marriage. Oh gosh, does it ever. I don't know anyone's marriage that I know anything about that doesn't deal with this on some level. And if you have kids, it gets worse, especially while they're little. And if you haven't guessed what we're talking about today, the subject is who does the housework, who takes care of the kids or animals, and how should these things be divided up between spouses? I don't know if there's any topic between spouses that can get as heated as this one. And it doesn't seem to matter if both spouses work or if one stays at home. There always seems to be a difference of opinion about who does what and how the work should be divided. Let's dive in. Well, first of all, Chris, you would think that things would be changing for women, the ones who have traditionally had the most frustration over division of household chores, but it really hasn't changed much, has it? Yeah, you would think it would be changing more, but it's not yet. But we have to acknowledge that more and more there are situations that are flipped and the men are feeling like they're doing the lion's share. And the Bible doesn't speak specifically about how household chores should be divided up. So we have to take a look at the problem from a more general sense, like what does the Bible say about marriage, how should a marriage mirror Christ and the church, and things like that. But we found one resource that seems like it could be helpful for some families. It's a book called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. It's a practical resource for organizing your household and dividing the work. And the book doesn't focus on dividing up work 50-50. Instead, the focus is on taking ownership of chores. Right. She looked at business models of how tasks happen from conception to completion, and she used that in a home model. For instance, if you take on the tasks of extracurricular sports activities, you take ownership of those activities. And taking ownership means that you fill out the forms, you get the medical exams done, you make sure the kids have the equipment, you know when it's your turn to bring snack and it's your job to make sure that you acquire the snack and bring it the right night. Uh, She made up a card game with rules and instructions on how to use it for families. It's pretty amazing idea. The idea of taking ownership of a whole task would take away the mental weight of thinking about and remembering everything that has to get done. And this might not work for all families, but for some it could alleviate the struggle and fighting even if it's just over a few things. Right. It's not for everybody, but resolution even over just a few things can make a big difference. One spouse taking ownership of a whole task could cut down on blaming and arguments and saying things like, I thought you were going to do it, or don't you know what kind of whatever to get? Let's say what kind of peanut butter your kid likes. If you have ownership of the grocery shopping, when Sally complains, you will soon learn what kind to buy. (laughs) And if you don't, you get to listen to the whining at the dinner table. Right. And then you will buy the right kind next time. And since your spouse is out of the equation, it's on you because you have ownership of the grocery shopping, for example. But like we said earlier, there's not, this is not a one-size-fits-all to any of this. No, it's definitely not. And Chris, this often starts with bad feelings over how each person uses their time. So one of the first hurdles couples should try to overcome is that both partners realize that each only has 24 hours in a day. Yeah, that seems kind of dumb to say, but it's so true. God only made each of us with 24 hours, and that's the reality for everybody. And this is an important part. One person's time is not more valuable than the others. And no matter what, every single thing everybody does requires time. 
Some tasks might take only 10 minutes, but you add up six of those 10 minute tasks and an hour is gone. Right. And no matter whether you both work full time outside the house as a wage earner or one of you doesn't earn a wage, each person has 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, and they do need to sleep some of that time. They do. (laughs) And every couple has things that need to get done. Whether it's 40 hours of time spent away from the house at a job to bring in money or whether it's 40 hours of cleaning and cooking and errands and kids' doctor's appointments, all of the things are necessary and all of them require someone's time. But it's a struggle to figure out and get it right and not fight. But it's an important thing to figure out so that you don't fight. And I would say, especially when you're first married and even more so when you have kids, Figuring out how each person's going to use those hours to best benefit their family so that neither feels taken advantage of, neither feels shortchanged, and so that resentment doesn't build up sounds like it would be a piece of cake, but it's not. No, it certainly isn't. And this isn't just a one-time discussion. It's going to change over the years as your life situation changes. But like we said, you have to work it out because when nothing is remedied, resentment will creep in. Yeah, it will. And that's bad. So that's why you need to talk about it. And Rose, you and I are both past the kids stage and we'd both say it's definitely worth hanging in there and working it out. Yeah, that's right. And Chris, let's just give a few examples. Obviously, we can't cover everything because this is going to look different for every single couple depending on how you make your money, what you have to take care of, whether you have kids, and we could go on and on about the things that will affect each couple differently. Yeah, that's a good point. Don't compare yourselves. Just work it out between the two of you. Now, Rose, for example, I've heard the argument that if you're home, then you can organize your schedule for the most part in any way that you want. And because of that, that should be looked at differently than going out to a job every day. And like we said, it's not a one size fits all. There's a lot of nuances to this. Yes, it's true that a stay at home husband or wife can organize their own schedule or at least part of it usually. If they decide to do something fun one day, the laundry can pile up a few extra days, the house can stay messy a few extra days, etc. But let's be honest, it has to get done sometime. So even if you're at home more, no matter how you organize your schedule, there's still a list of necessary chores that you have to do to fit into your schedule. Exactly. The chores don't go away just because you take a few hours for yourself. Or you might be working and earning money from home, so that can also change how much freedom you actually have over your schedule. That's right. And all of the work has to count, whether someone's getting paid for it or not, because you'd have to pay someone else to do it. That being said, there's something to be said for the circumstances that each spouse has. It's not all about the hours. If one of you is working outside five days a week in 90 degree hot sun, that person's going to be physically drained when they get home at night. Does one of you have a lion's share of taking care of your toddlers and you can't even go to the bathroom without someone (laughs) banging on the door and needing something from you? Been there. Me too. (laughs) Sometimes it's the kids and the animals. But anyway, that person needs some time when they don't feel like they have to satisfy anyone else's needs in the family for a little while. Or let's say that your situation is that one spouse travels most of the week and is gone from Monday to Friday. Exactly. In that case, the spouse who's home all week has to take care of the whole brunt of household chores on themselves while the other spouse is gone. So when the traveling spouse comes home for the weekend, he or she needs to step up and take ownership of some of the weekend's activities. But in addition to that, it may be that the traveling spouse needs an hour or two 
after getting home to unwind, so you can't expect them to walk in the door and jump in. Or maybe the spouse that stays home all week needs to find a couple of hours during the weekend to themselves so they can recharge for the following week. Again, it's not a one-size-fits-all. No, it's not. The point is, you and your spouse know your situation best. There are no absolute answers. And you have to take a realistic look at how much downtime each of you has, the mental and physical stress of your work, and everything else that's included. Discuss what works for you guys best. And you might have to use some trial and error. And I like the idea of trial and error. You try an agreed-upon change for a short period of time, and you see how it's working. And you have the caveat of knowing that you're going to revisit the situation and talk about whether it's working or not for both of you. Right. And it's important to give each other space and graciousness of being able to talk through this trial and error time. You're just going to try to find out what works best for you. You're a team, so work together and have patience with each other. Absolutely. So, Chris, let's talk about something else. In the book that we mentioned, the author, Miss Rodsky, says that visibility equals value. She's talking about the chores that don't get seen when one spouse is just taking care of them for the family. Right. And I think this is an important point because there are a lot of tasks that get done that the other spouse just doesn't ever see. Therefore, that spouse doesn't consider the time they take to get done. Like, let's say you're writing a thank you note to someone when, you know, they've done something nice for you. Or you're buying your brother-in-law's birthday gift. Or you're calling your parents to check in on them. Or you're calling internet companies to see if you can get a better deal. That stuff takes a long time sometimes. (sighs) That takes a long time while you're on hold. Yes. You're saying that the tasks that don't get seen by the spouse who doesn't do them are often invisible to that spouse. If the toilet is dirty one day and clean the next, that's a visible thing. If the house is messy and you straighten it up, that's very visible. If the grass is long and then it's mowed, everyone can see that. These are the visible things. Right. But there's nothing visible about the stuff like writing a thank you note or looking into cheaper internet or calling your parents. So it's easy for the other person not to even give it a thought. And some of these things can take hours, but there's nothing to see for the time that's spent. So like we said earlier, just six 10-minute tasks and a whole hour is gone. These can add up to a lot of unseen hours. And the point is, be cognizant of what unseen things your spouse is actually doing. Right. And there's another aspect of home chores that we should mention, and that is how not including one spouse in the day-to-day grind can create even more of a problem. Like when that spouse who does the lion's share of something is away. Hey, you're not kidding. And we never know when this is going to happen. But even if the spouse who normally does the stuff gets the flu or is down for a few days, it can cause issues. When someone is left with tasks they don't normally do, no matter how well things are organized, written down, planned out, It's certainly going to result in questions, texts, phone calls, sometimes to an outrageous amount from the person who's trying to handle the stuff they're not used to handling. Like going to the grocery store. You send a list with a person that doesn't normally do the shopping and without every single detail spelled out, you get calls. What brand? (laughs) What size? How many? Over and over. It's a pain and it's frustrating. It certainly is. And it's not helpful because you're trying to get other stuff done and you keep getting interrupted. Or if you're sick with the flu and puking in the toilet while someone's asking you questions, most people feel like they might as well just do it themselves. And I've been there. Yes. 
And that thought in and of itself can exacerbate the problem, either by speaking those words, which makes people mad, or just doing it yourself. In other words, you're putting that task on your list. Yep, like I said, been there, done that. So be familiar with the home task your spouse does on top of what you're doing. You're a team, work together. Rose, that made me think of something that's kind of related. I know a spouse who never paid the bills and her husband died. She was beside herself trying to figure out how to do it. And I know spouses who never filled the car with gas at the gas pump, never mowed the lawn, and probably lots of other things. And they were at a loss when they had to all of a sudden deal with these tasks because their spouse was sick or had died. So we're saying learn what each other is taking care of for lots and lots of reasons. And one more thing that we want to mention that happens when you're actually working this out, and this is one that everybody likes, it's that sometimes working this out helps you realize what stuff you want to get totally out of your life and take off of your whole family's list. Yeah, that's a great point. And it is one that makes everyone happy. If you're taking little Sammy to baseball and drum lessons because society has convinced you he has to do music and sports to be well-rounded, Sometimes you realize you don't have to keep up with the rat race and your family's better off getting completely rid of one of these tasks. Actually, my son and daughter-in-law have just gone through this. Uh, Yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest benefits of all of this. So, Rose, now that we've given some examples of what this subject's about, what it includes, let's talk about what couples can do about it. And one of the first things that has to happen is that the spouses must be willing to talk about it. Yes. And I can hear a lot of women saying, that's not going to happen. My husband doesn't like to talk about stuff like this. And whether you're a man or a woman who doesn't want to deal with this issue, the Bible talks about marriage quite differently than ignoring a need that your spouse is expressing. In chapter 5 in the book of Ephesians, Paul tells the church in Ephesus how they should live in light of what God has done for them in Christ. In verse 21, Paul tells them, both men and women, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, this line sometimes gets missed because people sometimes want to move on to the next verse, 22 to 24, which we all probably know by now. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Right, but that is followed, as most everyone should know by now, with Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 30, which says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 1 Peter chapter 3 says virtually the same things about husbands and wives. And then after it says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Rose, marriage is supposed to be a picture of Christ in the church. What does the Bible say about God listening to us? Does it anywhere say that he doesn't want to listen to us? That he's just too busy to listen to us? 
Does the Bible anywhere lead us to believe that God ignores the pleas of the ones that he loves? Of course not. And even when we've sinned against them, he still listens to us. He cares about us. Philippians 4, 6 says, In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In light of all these verses and many others that we could go to, if your spouse says that you need to sit down and talk about the division of household chores, then as Christians, it really should be something that you should do. Right. So going into the conversation, what are some of the things we can tell our listeners to talk with their spouses about? I would start with something that I recently heard from Vody Bauckham. He laid out three things that we should keep in mind when we're talking with our spouse about problems. First, remember, you don't see yourself accurately, meaning that we all think more highly of ourselves than we should in just about every way. And that's a biggie. And I think a lot of people don't think about that, but that is dead on. It is. It's easy to think that we actually do more or help out more or do more than our spouses than we actually in reality do. It happens all the time. Just because you're around when things are getting done doesn't mean that you're helping <laughs> get them done. Good point. And the second point that Vody Bauckham makes is that God has given you your spouse. This is the person that knows you better than anybody and sees who you really are more than anybody. When you live with someone, you get to know them pretty well. You do. And the third point he makes is don't defend yourself when your spouse is telling you what they see. Instead, receive it as a gift from the Lord that's allowing you to have insight into your weaknesses and your frailties. Wow, that's really great stuff. But it's really hard. But I think he's right. God is sovereign over everything. In Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And Proverbs 18.2 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Exactly. And the point here is that a couple needs to go into the discussion with the right attitude. We're all broken people. No two people are alike. So we have to be kind to each other. We need to be willing to listen. And the discussion needs to be taken seriously and it needs to happen. Right. Because the problem crops up because we're broken people in a fallen, sin-filled world. And I don't think we can stress enough that this needs to happen calmly through discussion, not through rash comments, deadly glares, brute force, and certainly not in the middle of when you're already having an argument. Exactly, because, you know, anybody who's tried those glares and the rash comments, and if, if nothing's changing, it's obviously not working for you. Been there, done that. So now that we know the posture of how both parties should go into this discussion, what else would you like to say? I think a couple should give each other permission to say hard things without shutting down, without being aggressive, and without being passive aggressive. Oh, amen and amen. <laughs> and along with that, each person needs to be able to articulate to the other person what they need them to do. And that's a biggie. It is. Don't beat your spouse down for doing things differently. If you divide the chores up and your husband doesn't fold the towels the same way you do, let it go. Don't be a control freak. Be satisfied that the job is getting done. That's a great point. And I talk from experience because I've been the control freak. I know, me too. You know, actually what we should do is we should be happy the job's getting done and we should look at the towels and say to ourselves, well, there's five more minutes I have to read a book. That's a great way to look at it. 
Getting this right will actually make your home much more efficient. It will be less stressful and it will be good for your marriage, which ultimately is good for your kids. And it will probably give you more time together as a couple or family. And one spouse won't be unfamiliar with what and how things get done in case of an emergency. Not to mention getting rid of all the bad feelings and the strife and the other crap that goes along with this subject. Chris, let's end with a few verses. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good for everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. And Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. And for the last one, we'll quote our Savior's words about the greatest of the commandments from Mark 12, 30 to 31, where Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Amen. And that's where we need to end today. Like we said, not everything works for every single family, but figure out what works for you. If you have any questions or comments or feedback, or if you try this and you want to let us know results, we would love to hear from you. You can leave comments on any podcast platform you're listening to or on our website, Proverbs910Ministries.com or any of our social media. Have a blessed day.